Thanks, guys. Would you all please turn your Bibles to the book of Galatians, chapter 5. Our second scripture this evening is uh, taken from the book of Galatians, and this will sort of be our outline for many weeks to come. Uh, Let's read the scripture, though, and then, uh, then we can talk about it. So, uh, Galatians chapter 5, starting in verse 22 through the 10th verse of the 6th chapter. But the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, forbearance, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. Against such things there is no law. Those who belong to Christ Jesus have crucified the flesh with its passions and desires. And since we live by the Spirit, let us keep in step with the Spirit. Let us not become conceited, provoking, and envying each other. Brothers and sisters, if someone is caught in a sin, you who live by the Spirit should restore that person gently. But watch yourselves, or you also may be tempted. Carry each other's burdens, and in this way you will fulfill the law of Christ. If anyone thinks they are something when they are not, they deceive themselves. Each one should test their own actions. Then they can take pride in themselves alone without comparing themselves to someone else. For each one should carry their own load. Anyone who receives instruction in the word must share all good things with his instructor. Do not be deceived. God cannot be mocked. A man reaps what he sows. The one who sows to please his sinful nature, from that nature will reap destruction. The one who sows to please the Spirit from the Spirit will reap eternal life. Let us not become weary in doing good. For at the proper time, we will reap a harvest if we do not give up. Therefore, as we have the opportunity, let us do good to all people, especially to those who belong to the family of believers. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. So, tonight we're starting a series. And and as I mentioned, next week Pastor Doug will be teaching and, and he'll be doing something different. But this is sort of an introduction to the spring what we're going to do is, is, starting the week after next, go through the fruit of the Spirit one by one, leading all the way up to Easter, uh, and we're going to spend a couple extra weeks on the Holy Spirit and on love. But what it's going to do, and the purpose of it, is to talk about what comes out of our life. You know, as a pastor, it's funny because you spend so much time thinking about these things and writing these sermons that, that, at least for me, I always wonder, you know, what are people hearing and what are people thinking about during the week? And, and one of the things when I look back at, at the year, especially of 2017, I see all of these sermons and all of these things that I've either written or talked about with you all, and, and, and I see some of it, but so much of it has been inward-focused. And I don't think that's a bad thing. We've talked a lot about holiness. We've talked a lot about devotion. But one of the things that I really want to do for the next year is now continue on and and continue in a way that we can learn and grow and see what's actually coming out of our lives and, and, and see whether that is from the Spirit of God or not. And so this week, we're going to have an overview, sort of a refresher on the context of Paul saying these things, because many of us are familiar with this passage. We've heard this before. Some of you, if you grew up in Sunday school, might have even learned a song to sing to remember them. But Paul's letter to the Galatians is one of the first letters he wrote. And and it is this idea 
of what does it mean, really? As simple as that, what does it mean to be a Christian? So, just a little bit of history about this. Uh, One of the reasons this was so important around this time, um, you may have heard of it, there was this thing called the Council of Jerusalem, or the Apostolic, the Apostles' Council, where they basically got together around the year 49 or 50, about 17, 20 years after Christ died, to decide whether new converts had to hold to Jewish law. This was the rule, right? They, they, there's all these Jewish communities, and, and Jews, of course, were the first ones to come to Christ because they had the Old Testament foundation. And so all of these Gentiles then, though, became coming Christians. And they would hear the good news of the gospel, and the Jewish leaders would say, oh, well, you have to be circumcised. You have to follow the Old Testament law. And then some people would say, well, no, Christ never said we had to do that. What's the rule here? And so Paul is writing this letter. We don't know if it was right before or right after that council, but he was writing this letter in that time to say, hey, we need to figure out the whole reason Christ came and died and resurrected. And one of the things he said is the reason is for freedom. And so freedom from the law, it's a theme we see over and over and over. And so what this letter is is writing to is a group of people in modern-day Turkey with this idea in mind. You know, there were, if you read the the entire book of Galatians, in in chapter 1, in chapter 5, and then again, just after our thing we read, there was a group of Jewish leaders who were actually leading people to Christ— and then what they would do is they would ask the, the, the Gentiles who became Christians to then become circumcised and follow the Old Testament law. And then what the Jewish leaders would do is they would then go to their superiors and say, see, look at all of my new converts. Look at all of the people I have brought to the synagogue, these Gentiles who are now going to be Jewish because of Jesus, and, and they were trying to make themselves feel more important. It's sort of like if a pastor had, uh, if I had um, a boss and he said, well, you have to make sure the church is growing. And I was out there telling people, you know, we have free food and Jesus loves you no matter what. And you can do whatever you want. Come to church, come to church. And then I went and said, look how great I am. The church is growing leaps and bounds. This is sort of what was happening with the Jewish leaders in this area. To look more pious and to look more holy to their superiors they were leading Gentiles in and telling them that they now had to live by the Old Testament law. And we know this now, uh, partially because I never stopped talking about the freedom of Christ, but also uh, at the time it was murky, and Paul really needed to explain this. Again, it was only about 20 years after Christ, and if you think about how slow things move, especially in the ancient world, you know, this is a whole other region, and, and they're already trying to figure out what to do here. So this is Paul's explanation. The passage we have tonight and what we're going to talk about is Paul's explanation of of what holiness looks like and what freedom in Christ actually looks like. What is the outpouring of our life? And so in verse 22 we start, and he says, hey, after this discourse on the sinful nature, which you can see earlier in chapter 5, Paul says we either have those things, the things mentioned earlier, or we'll have these things. The fruit of the vine, the fruit of the Spirit will be what? Love, joy, peace, forbearance, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, self-control, gentleness. If you, it's a simple analogy. We've talked about this, right? A, A good tree will bear good fruit. A good vine will bear good fruit. It's a simple analogy, but it works so great for the Christian life. And a question you can ask yourself is, what does my life give to the world? 
And I'm not talking about monetary. I'm not talking about circumstance or success. What do you give to your relationships? What do you give to friends and family? What do you give, maybe most of all, to strangers? Not finances? Love? Joy? Kindness? The one that always sort of gets me and makes me feel really convicted is patience. Am I giving patience to my relationships? And he says that this is the goal. To be on the same page with one another. And in verse 25, he says really well and very simply that since we live by the Spirit, this something we must do. We must keep then in step with the Spirit. And, and we're going to spend a lot of time talking about the Holy Spirit in a couple of weeks. But, but this one phrase, let us keep in step with the Spirit, gives us two things I want you to know about the Holy Spirit that we can just t- mention briefly. One is that the Holy Spirit is not idle. To imply that we must keep in step with the Holy Spirit means that the Holy Spirit is moving. The Holy Spirit is active. It is moving. It is doing things. And the second thing is that the Holy Spirit desires unity. Let us keep in step with the Spirit and let us not become conceited, provoking, and envying each other. Because if we are then being conceited, provoking, or envying each other, then we are no longer in step with the Spirit. The Holy Spirit is moving and the Holy Spirit desires unity in the church. You know, I just watched a movie about this last night. It was a movie, sort of the idea behind it was about envy. And it's about this man who sort of envies his friends. You know, he's later in life and he's looking at his life and comparing it. And all of these things begin to happen in his life because this envy has crept into his life and it's changed his thought and his mood and the way he sees people and the way he treats people. There's one scene where him and his son get into an argument because he's envying his friends. It has nothing to do with him and his son, but, but he's taking it out on another person. You know, these are the sorts of things that put strain on all of our relationship. When we do not walk in the Spirit, we see it by the fruit of our lives and what's coming out of us. What are we giving to the world? And so, though, we continue into chapter 6, because as we know, the Bible wasn't written with nice, neat chapters and verses, that Paul continues his argument. And he says in chapter 6, verses 1 and 2, that we, as we do this, as we walk in step with the Spirit, that we should carry each other's burdens. And and he goes on to say this great phrase in verse 2, that we carry each other's burdens, and in this way you will fulfill the law of Christ. See, the argument was always about the law of Moses. Are we holding to and upholding the law of Moses? What did Moses say? And Paul writes to the Galatians, he says, no, it's not that the law of Moses is not important. Christ fulfilled it. There is a new law, the law of Christ. And if we are living by the Spirit, if we are in step with the Spirit, and if we are giving good fruit into the world, then we will be living in the law of Christ. And as Paul continues his argument, he gives something that's so great, something that I love, and I actually don't ever remember reading until I reread it again for this week. Paul's language here, he says, if you don't walk with the Spirit, if you don't seek unity, if you're envious, if you're provoking one another, if you do not bear with one another and do all of these things, look at at verses 3, 4, and 5. He says, if anyone thinks they are something when they are not, they deceive themselves. 
See, see, we think when we're living this way, when we think when we're, when we're bearing bad fruit or when we're living in a way that's not honoring God, we think we're deceiving everyone around us. See, we think that we can pretend and we think that we can hold it all together so that other people will think we are good, so that other people will think we are holy. But the Apostle Paul, and, and we know this to be true, don't we, that he says you only deceive yourself. You think you're tricking everyone around you, but people will find out. The fruit of your life, the things that come from you, will not be holy and in step with the Spirit. And the people around you will see it. You think you deceive others, but you only are deceiving yourself. Which is why when we are, find ourselves in sin, when we find ourselves struggling, we feel alone and isolated. Because in deceiving ourselves, we have separated ourselves from all the people who are there to bear our burdens with us. This is why sin is so isolating. This is why when we, not, when we are not walking in the Spirit, we feel alone. Because we've deceived ourselves, not the people around us. And the Apostle Paul true to his form, just kind of keeps going and keeps pressing down and pushing the point in verses 7, 8, 9, and 10. And he basically says this, that a man will reap what he sows. God will not be mocked. You cannot, you may be able to, maybe the most persuasive person can trick and deceive the people around him or her. Maybe, maybe the most powerful, strong-willed person could, could deceive people around them to think they are good and to think they are holy, but God will not be mocked. And that person will reap what they sow. You know, it's funny because the world calls this karma, right? The world will call this karma and that all of this idea of we get sort of what we deserve and how we live life and give and all of these different things. Well, this is Scripture. And this is nothing new. You know, even I'm reading this thing and they say, you know, the earliest mentions of karma are from a thousand years before Christ. Well, the earliest mentions of a man reaping what he sows are from before that in Scripture. I want to read you one from, from the book of Proverbs. It's not that old. It's from about 700 years before Christ. But just to give you an idea that this is not a new idea, that a man reaps what he sows, in Proverbs chapter 1 it says, Whoever listens to me will live in safety and be at ease. Oh, sorry, wrong verse. They will, Proverbs 31, 31, 131, excuse me. They will eat the fruit of their ways and be filled with the fruit of their schemes. <laughs> The writer of Proverbs says, listen, those people who pursue wickedness, those people who pursue evil, will be filled with that very same fruit. The completion of this analogy that we all understand is so great. And it's really that simple. What you put out into the world will come back to you. If you love others in the name of Jesus Christ, your relationships will just be better. If, if you are walking in step with the Spirit, and that may mean different, something different for each of us, but if we are walking in step with the Spirit, we won't be envious. We won't be seeking confrontation. We'll be seeking peace and love and joy. And, and now don't hear me in the sense that I'm saying if you do these things, your life will be perfect, because it won't be. This world is still burdened by sin. This world is still difficult. 
Even Christ, as we see, did not lead a painless life. But when you look at your life, when you look at your relationships, we have plenty of stuff that drags us down and creates pain in our life. Why would we willingly subject ourselves to more? Why would we willingly make life harder by living outside of God's will and outside of the Holy Spirit? In verse 9, he says, Do not become weary of doing good. You know, sometimes it seems like we're fighting an uphill battle, but the Apostle Paul says, don't become weary in doing good. Don't give up. You know, another way to think about this that I really like is because some people thinking about the law of Christ, it seems like a mandate, and you think, well, well, Jesus Christ said we can't earn our way to heaven, so this is kind of hard. You know, one of my favorite authors, a guy named Craig Blomberg, he's a New Testament scholar, he said it's not works righteousness, we're not earning our way to heaven, He says, but there are certain ethical demands that flow from the cross. There are certain ethical demands on our life that flow from the gospel of Jesus Christ. It's not works righteousness. We're not earning anything. But to accept the gift of the cross that Jesus Christ gave us, to do that comes with it certain ethical demands on you. How will we know? Well, if we look at the Romans passage we also read tonight, the Apostle Paul says to the Roman church that anything that does not come from faith is sin. If you are operating in your own power, in your own strength, outside of the faith of God, and being in step with the Holy Spirit, it misses the mark. To follow Christ in the midst of those who do not follow Jesus is difficult. And I know this life is hard. But as he says, if you look... In in verse 9, let us not become weary in doing good, for at the proper time we will reap a harvest if we do not give up. It will pay off. It will be good. We will have a harvest to carry out that analogy. And let me just address the idea of a harvest, because again, I don't want you to think of this as monetary or circumstantial. I don't want you to think of it only as, okay, well, God's just going to make it all better. He will one day with heaven. We talked about that before Christmas. But there are also implications here. The law of Christ is not gain or comfort, but for love and unity. If you sow into this world love and peace and joy and all of these things by walking in step with the Spirit, you will see it more and more in your daily life. I can only say this from from examples. I can only say this from personal example. You know, I've shared a little bit, and I have a story at the very end just briefly about my parents But my parents were not Christians. I didn't grow up in a Christian home. You know, we didn't go to church. Well, we did go to church on Christmas and Easter, but that was it. And when my mom became a Christian, the way she lived life changed. She was more patient. She was more gracious. She was more loving. And in doing so, then our relationship changed. And then as a young man and and my siblings and I, we became to see and we saw there was a difference. There's a difference in walking with God and walking without God. And we saw very clearly, this is a much better way to live. And in doing so, I can clearly see that when I started to try and model the things I saw in the Christians that were older than me, my life and my relationships got healthier and safer and better. There are some things we do in this life. There are some choices we make that are bad, that are wrong. We know it. It's fine. Sometimes we do it. 
But then there are some times when it comes to sin and when it comes to following God that we know we're, we're not supposed to do and it just feels like we're out of control. You know, look at, open your Bibles back up to Galatians 5 if you still have it open. Look at the list Paul gives before our list here. This is the list of things in life that are not from the Spirit. If you look at verse, we'll start in 19. The acts of the sinful nature are obvious. Sexual immorality, impurity, debauchery, idolatry, witchcraft, hatred, discord, jealousy, fits of rage, selfish ambition, dissensions, factions, envy, drunkenness, orgies, and the like. I warn you as I did before, those who live like this will not inherit the kingdom of God. You know what's funny? is I look at that list, and I think this is easy. This is an easy way to live. It's no wonder people choose that. You know, I, I say this all the time to teenagers who struggle with sin. Sin is fun. <laughs> Don't lie to yourself. Sin is fun, and it's easy. I mean, it's, it's much easier for you to do what you want and hide your life and try to keep everything compartmentalized and personal and separated so that no one knows what's happening in your life than to bear your burdens with one another and to share your life with someone. It is much easier to sin. But the Apostle Paul says, listen, if you really want to bear good fruit, if you really want to live a better way, what he calls to the Corinthian church the most excellent way to live, he says you have to do two things. You have to walk in the Spirit and walk with the Spirit, and you have to be unified as a body of Christ. One is inward, our, our relationship with the Holy Spirit is inward and it's personal, and one is outward, how we treat and love and live life with other Christians. And before you think that this is easy and that this, you know, you have it all under control, let, let me tell you real quickly about life with the Holy Spirit and walking in step with the Holy Spirit. Jesus Christ, when he was baptized, if you were in the service this morning, you heard this. Mark chapter 1, Jesus Christ, after his baptism, immediately the Holy Spirit calls him to do what? Go into the desert and fast for 40 days. Oh, and then, by the way, at the end of that 40 days of fasting, you're going to be tempted by the devil. See, following the Holy Spirit is not always easy. But it prepared Jesus for a life of service, a life of love, and a life of sacrifice. See, the list of sin is fun and it's easy, but it does not produce growth and it does not produce love. Being in step with the Holy Spirit also led Jesus Christ to the cross. So do not take this lightly and think that you have this dialed in or you have this figured out. We have to be walking in step with the Spirit and each day we go to the Holy Spirit and ask what God would have for us. And then the second thing the Apostle Paul says to bear good fruit in our lives is that we must be unified as a church. This is not negotiable. This is not a good idea. This is not if we want to when we feel like it. He says, brothers and sisters, gently restore one another. Come alongside one another and bear each other's burdens and help each other. 
You know, we can't help each other unless we're honest with each other. We can't know each other's burdens unless we share our burdens with one another. And you know what? It is hard. It is hard to be honest and open with someone and say, this is my struggle. It's easy to live in private. But when we live in private, how many of you were able to live holy lives when no one held you accountable? You know, the idea of sin I take very seriously. And, and one of the reasons is this is, I mentioned my parents. Um, both of my parents were addicts of one kind or another. And I grew up in a household that was very, very open and honest about sin. And just recently, uh, Jenna and I were, were sitting at the table uh, over Christmas with my parents. And um, my dad's been, a, a, he's a recovering alcoholic. And he's been sober for, over, sober for over 20 years. And, and he still goes to meetings. You know, he still goes to AA meetings occasionally in the mornings. And he's been sober so long, I, I remember just asking him, saying, you know, why do you still go? Is it just to remind yourself? Is it to encourage the younger people there that, you know, 20 years sober is possible? Why do you still go? And he told me this short story, and he said, you know, one time he was at a meeting, and there was a woman there, and she told her story, and she had been sober for over 30 years. And, and every week, her and her friends would get together for a lunch, and all of her friends would have a glass of wine. And she never did, because she was an alcoholic. And, and as time went on, one day, there was this big thing they were celebrating, and she finally said, you know, I'm just going to have a glass of wine. What could it hurt? And true enough, it didn't hurt anything. She had a glass of wine. She had one glass of wine. Nothing happened. She didn't start a fist fight or anything. You know, it was fine. She didn't drink four bottles at the table. She just had one glass of wine, and it was fine. And then she went home that day and was okay. And so the next week then, she thought, no harm done. So I'm just going to have another glass of wine. And, and, and the same thing the week after. And then as the weeks and days went by before she knew it, she said she was in the same old habits again. That she was having a bottle of wine for breakfast. And that her granddaughter came to her and said, I don't like the new grandma." Because her, grandma, her granddaughter had never seen her as a drunk. Sin is deceitful. Sin creeps in. Sin makes us think we have it all under control, and then it takes hold of us and controls our very lives so that we are no longer walking with the Spirit, so that we are no longer living in unity, so that we are afraid to share our struggles with our brothers and sisters so that we are in slavery and in bondage. John chapter 8, Jesus says, it's John chapter 8, verse 34. Jesus says that anyone who sins, even once, is a slave to sin. We know what that feeling is like. And let me tell you this, if you want to bear good fruit in your life, if you want to have that list of things be the description people say at your funeral, that that person was loving and joyful and patient and kind and honored Christ above all else, you cannot ignore the Holy Spirit and you cannot ignore the church. If we walk with the Spirit of God internally and we walk together externally in the body of Christ, we will find the freedom of the law of Christ. Both are hard. But we've all seen sin. Maybe in your life, maybe in someone else's life, you have seen the alternative. Why would you go back down that road? Why would you go down the feelings of emptiness and loneliness and shame and guilt voluntarily? 
And if you feel like you are a victim of sin and you cannot get out of it and it doesn't even feel voluntary anymore, tell somebody. If you feel like you are stuck and and, and you feel like you are a slave to some sin in your life that you have kept secret, find somebody you trust to tell. Because that is not what God has for you. Do not voluntarily walk down the road where you ignore the Spirit of God and you ignore the body of Christ. In love and community, we are able to conquer sin. Let me tell you, in my own personal life, the only way I've been able to conquer sin is by telling people about it, is by sharing it, is by having people pray for me, and by admitting that I need the Holy Spirit. The outpouring of the Spirit in your life will be those things. Let this be a challenge to you. Do you seek to be in step with the Spirit and in unity of the body of Christ? Is that really your desire? to be walking step for step throughout your day with the Holy Spirit and sharing openly and bearing the burdens of one another in Christ's body. Because it doesn't have to be here. I am not recruiting. (laughs) I have never been a good marketer. I have never been good at advertising. I am just about the worst salesman imaginable. I once had a job in sales and my boss told me it was a bad idea because I'm too honest. I don't care if it's here. I don't care if it's at the Catholic Church. I don't care if it's at an Orthodox Church. I don't care if it's at a church in another country. I don't care what it is. If you find a way to walk in step with the Holy Spirit and obey and fulfill the law of Christ, which leads to freedom, praise God. May you find Christians, brothers and sisters around you who you can share your life, who you can share your heart, and you can find freedom from sin. Who do you share this life with? Who are you sharing life with? Maybe this is the year where you finally do something crazy. Maybe this is the year where the Holy Spirit finally sends you over the edge. Maybe this is a year you do something you never thought you would do, but it brings you closer to God and closer together. My prayer for us is that we as a church would bear good fruit to this world. Let's pray. Lord God, we give our lives to you. Lord, you very clearly said the only way for us to gain life is for us to lose it. And so, Lord, we give our lives to you. Father, we repent of the sin we have kept hidden. Lord, we give our lives to you. Show us the Holy Spirit. Show us the way the Holy Spirit walks that we might walk with it. Lord, show us your church that we would have brothers and sisters in Christ whom we can trust, whom we can share life with, whom we can love and mourn and rejoice with. Give us the strength, Lord, to live in a way that bears good fruit to this world, to our co-workers, to our families, to our neighbors, to strangers. Teach us how to love. Lord, we love you. Continue to work in us. Continue to mold us, continue to shape us. Today, tomorrow, and forevermore. Amen.